strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Yesterday, it was, uh, we got a press release regarding this. I think this is an interesting topic, using mushrooms as a mental health treatment. We know about the, the, um, controversy that is there and people using what would be considered a psychedelic drug and but they're saying the mental health effects and what can be used in treatment is one so joining us right now to talk about this is uh senator tj shope senator welcome back to the show hey thanks for having me back on let's let's talk about this uh why support this what are the benefits of this and what is the new data and science saying because this goes against everything that we you know 20 years ago this would have never been considered you're absolutely right, uh, and and I want to be very clear that, you know, Arizona's not Oregon, right? This is not something, This even what's under, under consideration, we're not talking about going to your local Circle K and being able to pick up mushrooms or anything like that. This, uh, What we are looking at and, and the reasons we're looking at it are, are very, very narrow and specific to uh, Arizona and, and our f- folks that, you know, suffer from things like PTSD and, and such, and to be able to have the opportunity to, in a clinical setting with a medical professional, um, be able to have doses of psilocybin uh, in order uh, to uh, help people, uh, you know, release themselves of kind of the shackles of that uh, of that awful PTSD that, that uh, really confounds some people. And we heard some testimony from Arizona's own Bob Parsons yesterday and who's gone through some treatment uh, just uh, five, six years ago uh, and how it uh, really allowed him, even in 20 2018 to finally feel like he was back home from Vietnam. Yeah, it's interesting. The group, uh, first responders, combat veteran physicians, mental health attorneys, others. So this is a, a this is a broad group of people that are coming together to try to dispel some of the myths and the concerns you brought up, you know, with the legalization and what other states have done, that, that this is going to be medicinal and it's going to be uh, not necessarily rare, but it's going to be specific. It's not even, you know, and we have to uh, think of, of this. It's it's more medicinal than any pharmaceutical that anybody is going to take, that anybody's currently taking. It's definitely more pharmaceutical, uh, medicinal than even medical marijuana when it was sold, because you're going to be in a clinical setting when you are uh, uh, getting this type of treatment. You know, with medical marijuana or even legalized marijuana, you pick up the item at a store, you go wherever you decide to go, home, wherever, to use your pharmaceutical. You go to the pharmacy after your uh, consultation with your doctor, and we assume that you go home and and, uh, you read the label and the instructions and you take the medicine. With this uh, this bill and what we're trying to do, you are in a setting where you will be essentially guided through this uh, process. Joining us is Senator T.J. Shope from the Arizona State Legislature talking about psilocybin and the possibility of legalizing it. So what are some of the safety measures? Going back to the medicinal marijuana in Arizona, originally we were told in that piece of legislation or, or in that um, that proposition that it was going to be doctor um, doctor over or seen by doctors and it wasn't going to be just a small group of doctors. And some things changed and people were upset about that. They thought they were kind of duped. And I'm sure you remember that. How do you avoid all of that with this situation? 
Well, I would like to, you know, don't believe for a second that people can't learn from various mistakes, right? And I, I think that Arizonans, by and large, you know, felt like they were doing the right thing in in the medicinal or marijuana sphere, uh, you know, a decade ago or, or more when that happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, as it turned out, you had a handful of doctors prescribing. Um, you know, there was numerous end rounds and mm-hmm. things like chronic pain, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, we've, we've really learned from that experience, and that's why the piece of legislation that you're seeing in front of, uh, in front of the legislature right now is so tailored and so narrow. Uh, frankly, we've learned, as legislators, we've learned from mistakes as well. You know, we, we could have done it this way with medical marijuana, with marijuana in general, uh, with the legislature taking, you know, the bull by the horns, if you will, to, on the issue. Instead, we, in action, uh, is a type of action, and and the voters and and people who had the proposition, the money to put it on the ballot, wrote it the way that they wanted to be wrote, uh, written. Uh, so we have a golden opportunity here to actually have it fully vetted by the medical community, by uh, the folks who could potentially see its benefits by legislators. It'll you know go through the entire process uh, before it ever even becomes law. So what was it that that convinced you on this? What was it that convinced you to be such a supporter of this legislation? What data was it? What information? Who was it that you talked to that convinced you? Well, I, 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 you know, I had been hearing some of the information on this over the years, uh, and then when I became chair of the health committee, I, I started getting more and more information. But it was truly, it was, you know, and I, I am, while I did not serve our country, I am of the, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq uh, war era generation, uh, and just talking to friends of mine who, some of them taking dozens of pills. Uh, you heard at the press conference yesterday, we heard from an individual who was on 300 pills a month. Wow. Uh, and, you know, it's just not working. And we have to do something better for these folks. Uh, and it came from a, a pure belief like that. And then on Veterans Day, I was uh, hanging out with my wife and we were watching television and, and saw Bob Parsons on TV and talking about his story, as I mentioned, of uh, you know finally feeling that he was at home from Vietnam. And this is a successful multi-billionaire yeah. talking who had an uber successful career and talking about how he had never felt at home until he did this treatment uh you know so we and i think that's why you saw people come out of the woodwork yesterday and say you know what enough is enough we know that it's kind of probably awkward for people to see retired law enforcement or firefighters or veterans up here talking about something like mushrooms or psilocybin but we need to go ahead and and tell the positive story about what this can do for us yeah it's interesting i i think that mr parsons i've not met met mr parsons for the people don't know who we're talking about he was the founder of GoDaddy and pxg the golf the golf club that's taking over the industry right now a very successful man for him to come forward and say i never really felt myself with all of his success the assumption would be everything is just clicking on all cylinders for him to be willing to come out and say and speak so highly on this and be so honest and transparent about his journey. I think that says a lot about him, but it also says a lot about the stigma that's attached to some of this stuff. You're most definitely right. And he testified in our committee yesterday for about 20 minutes on on the benefits. And I thought the thing that hit me most of how big of a believer he is uh, and others are is that in the the millions of dollars that he's put towards research in this uh, very area, you know, he made it very clear that he has 
made sure that his folks do not invest in any entities that are, you know, looking to profit off of this because he wants to remain a uh, person that can people can go to uh, to say, look, I just believe in the science yeah. of this and what it can do for people. I'm not trying to make any money off of this. Well, it's it's incredible. I, I think that what you're doing, I think this is is fascinating. And I appreciate you coming on today. Last thing I want to ask you before I let you go. Obviously, you today is uh, statehood day. Today is Arizona's birthday. You want to comment a little bit on that, the, the greatness of Arizona and how, you know, this this celebration that we should have today? Yeah, absolutely. And we're about ready to head on over to the old capital in, in just a moment uh, for a celebration. But it's it's everything. Uh, you know, if you're a native Arizonan like I am, uh, you're you're proud to be born here. And as I look around my office right now, I have you know pictures and portraits of just the absolute beauty uh, of this state. Uh, and, you know, my mom uh, and dad being, you know, and meeting here in the southwestern U.S. and, and a perfect blend of of cultures being, you know, growing up half Hispanic and being half Hispanic, you, you get a foot in both, uh, in every bit of culture, basically, yeah. that there is in the state. And you just cannot uh, duplicate that anywhere else. Uh, it's it's a day that we should all celebrate a lot more than we currently do. Senator, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and I hope you'll come back. And thanks for your hard work on this. You got it. Thanks, Mike. All right. That is Senator T.J. Shope spending a few moments with us talking about SB 1570. If you want to look it up online, see some of the verbiage that's in it. Piece of legislation that would be allow uh, psilocybin or mushrooms to be used for medicinal purposes. Coming up in a moment, uh, Arizona Republicans have a plan to raise teacher pay. It's Prop 123. We're going to talk about the benefits of that and the other side of the aisle and the plan that they have. It's all coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, uh, big thank you to Senator Shope for coming on to talk about that psilocybin. It, it is Senate Bill 1570, if you want to look it up on either side of the issue where you fall. But it's interesting about possibly using psilocybin or mushrooms to help mental health uh, people with mental health issues and the cross-section of people in support of this, including Mr. Parsons, Bob Parsons of GoDaddy and, and PXG, a very successful man, but a very big supporter and done a lot of research and funded a lot of research in this world. Um, we move on. Arizona Republican lawmakers uh, want Prop 123 back on the ballot, and they want the voters to vote uh, to keep and raise teacher pay. Now, Prop 123 was approved about 10 years ago, and it allows uh, an increase of the portion of the money from the state land trust to go toward education. Governor Hobbs and Democratic lawmakers outlined their plans earlier this week, wanting to raise pay for every teacher and school support staff. According to the governor's plan, um, this was put forth by Senator uh, Marsh. Um, in this plan, it would help extend Prop 123 for another 10 years, increasing the state land trust withdrawal. And it would be split up 2.5% money going to school funding. 4.4 would raise educator compensation. Another 1.5% for support staff and 0.5% will invest in school capital for safety and security. So the Republican lawmakers say the plan is unsustainable. So this is an argument about the state land trust. The treasurer, Kimberly Yee, has said the same thing, said continuing at a 6.9% and increasing to an 8.9% raise uh, rate is too much. 
The reason why I bring up education is we understand, I think, teacher pay is a big piece of this. And I don't ever want my my criticism for the politics of education to be confused with my uh, a criticism of teachers. I think teachers are the lifeblood of education. I think it's one of the most important jobs in the world. It was explained to me once that people on the right view police officers the way people on the left view teachers. And I, I think that's kind of accurate sometimes. But I also think we all have a great amount of respect for both. We have a great amount of respect for what the men and women in public safety do for our communities. We call them heroes, and they are. Uh, they don't do it for the money, but they certainly deserve to be paid a wage that is uh, satisfactory for the job that they do. Teachers are the same way. So I am certainly in favor of good teachers being paid more. But throwing money at an issue is not necessarily the right thing to do. We have to make other changes. There have to be other things that go into it. I have a bunch of stories about the politics of education and things that are going on. Uh, higher education in front of me, eight years ago, 57% of Americans said they were confident in higher education. This was a Gallup poll. Eight years ago, 57% of Americans had confidence in higher education. Last summer, that, that number is down to 36%. The uh, cancel culture and all of the other things that are going on, people have soured on higher education. The problem also is that with K through 12 education failing the way it has to prepare people, they're not prepared for a college education. There's way too much of that going on. I know there have been people that are critical of, of Michael Crow or Dr. Crow from Arizona State University, but I've had a few, I've had a number of conversations with him because I'm fascinated by education um, because I didn't get one. I, to be honest, I, I barely finished high school, but my education in my younger years was so good that I am capable of learning very easily. There is really nothing spectacular about me. I'm a very average person. I don't have a superior intellect, but I do have the ability to learn because it was given to me at a young age. I was taught at a young age to read. I'm a very good reader, um, math, basic math skills. So because I have the basics in math, I can catch on in math classes very easily. You know, I worked everything I did in my previous trade was algebra or geometry. And so I was well versed because I used it every day, but I was able to learn it. We are not preparing our young people, especially at the elementary school level, with all of these things that are going on. We are not preparing them for the next stage of their life. Uh, it's one of the things Dr. Crow talked about. When you graduate from high school, you should be, you, we have created a good learner. And I thought, really, that diploma isn't the end. It honestly is the beginning. That That is preparing you to learn for the rest of your life. If we looked at it that way, we may see it differently. And I, I wish we would. I, I think that we have got so much going on that is counterproductive to real learning. We're trying to create what we would consider for us, whoever, whatever that is. We are trying to con, uh, to uh, create good citizens and we want to get rid of. And I don't like the isms either. I don't like racism or sexism. I'm not a fan of any of those things. I think they're wrong. But we have created an atmosphere that is so adversarial. We are once again doing segregated graduations, groups of people wanting segregated dorm rooms, that the atmosphere has become so adversarial and it comes from what they learn. For the majority of America to feel the way it does about Israel and to watch college campuses like Harvard and others um, so anti-Israel, where they didn't learn that at home. If the parents are so pro-Israel 
um, and, and support of this ally of ours. It's just one example of what are they learning in the school system. By the way, just a little side note for you when it comes to Israel. Uh, some students at Harvard decided they were going on a hunger strike until the occupiers left Gaza. Uh, the hunger strike lasted about 12 hours and they were done. It shows the level of dedication. Um, uh, so I just thought this was an interesting take on education. Coming up in a moment, um, we are going to go back to the topic of the day, which is um, how Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas is facing impeachment. Republicans in the House vote to impeach him. But what will the Senate do? And is there any value in this? We'll talk about that coming up in a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. That's right, bitter people unite. The anti-Valentine's Day. We got to get to the hook. We got to. It's Valentine's Day. Got to get to the hook, right? I've been through it all. Love sticks. Happy Valentine's Day from the Mike Broomhead Show, everyone. Bitter people unite. All right. The serious business of the show. Um... Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, was impeached, was voted, the impeachment vote passed narrowly through the House of Representatives. And, of course, people on both sides um, of the aisle are on top of this. Here is uh, Speaker Johnson uh, talking about the vote count. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted. So here is, this is Jay O'Brien from ABC with the DHS uh, Department of Homeland Security statement on this impeachment. We've got a statement from the Department of Homeland Security that comes out right after this impeachment has now been formalized. They say, quote, House Republicans will be remembered by history for trampling on the Constitution for political gain rather than working to solve the serious challenges at our border. Again, that is a statement from the Department of Homeland Security. Now, I, you, if you listen to the show, I am fair. I will give both sides of an argument, and it, no matter which side I agree upon, I will give credibility and credence to the opposite side of the aisle, even though I may want to defeat it with my argument, that they have a valid argument. This is ridiculous. I will tell you that the, the history is not going to remember that the Republicans trampled on the Constitution, just like the useless four years spent investigating Donald Trump with two committees in the Congress. Most of America just shrugged their shoulders and said, get over it. Trump won the election. Just move on. It wasn't people that even liked Trump. They ended up voting for Biden in the next election. But the four years of using a committee, you don't think that was a waste of time? Oh, no, no, that was valuable. That needed to happen. The impeachment vote from the House twice against Donald Trump. Do you think that those things were valuable things or were we trampling on the Constitution? The whole argument is about the border. The idea that the Republicans aren't doing the serious work of the border up until January, all we heard from President Biden and the vast majority of people in his party that were elected officials or appointed officials 
all were saying that the border is secure. And anytime people brought up the fact that it wasn't secure, the rebut or the rebuttal always was. No president's ever fixed it. There's been border issues with every president we've ever had. And so now all of a sudden it's a crisis and it's broken. This idea that the media, that the journalists, and I'm I'm not calling out all journalists, but the journalists aren't holding their feet to the fire in this regard. Have them answer this question. Where have you been for three years? I say this. Today is statehood day for Arizona. Arizona is 112 years old today. I came here 29 years ago and I fell in love with the state of Arizona. I love this place. I wish I, if there was a job being the ambassador of Arizona, I would leave this job for that one. It's the only job I would leave this job for voluntarily. I love this state that much. We have been dealing with a, a way porous border for decades. The fentanyl crisis, the, the opioid addiction and overdoses and deaths in this country, the vast majority of that drug crossing into the United States comes into our state. It is distributed across our country from Arizona. It's disgusting. You look at the human trafficking side of things. You look at the dreamers. It is a failure of this entire process that this hasn't been fixed. So when you have one side of the aisle or the other saying, well, look now, because you didn't pass a piece of legislation that we put up there, you are not serious about fixing the issues. You have told us for three years, us not being Republicans, us, the American people, more specifically, the people of Arizona who have been dealing with this every day for decades, you have told us. Nothing's wrong at the border. It's fine. I'm not defending Mayorkas. I mean, the guy has not done the job. You testify before Congress that you have effective control of the border. That's a lie. And you know it's a lie. So in that regard, he doesn't deserve the job. I just don't, in my opinion, I just don't know that impeaching him is going to do any good. I want here's Steve Portnoy from ABC. These are the Senate's options. Now, what can they do now that this vote has happened? There's no telling yet when a Senate trial might start. And frankly, it's possible one never will. Democrats could seek to dismiss the charges out of hand, or they could send the articles of impeachment to a committee to allow work to continue on the Senate floor. So nothing is going to happen with this. Nothing is going to happen. So we know that what the House did was symbolic. And I don't always think symbolism is a bad thing. Sometimes you do things to point out uh, people being ineffective. But the idea that we're going to hear from Schumer and hear from other Democrats that are going to tell us how bad uh, Republicans are on trying to really fix the border is an absolute joke. It is the biggest hill that you have to climb. The American people don't buy it. I'm not talking about Republicans. The American people are not buying it. And this is the narrative that needs to change. The city of Chicago is not a conservative city. It is a very liberal city. The citizens are so upset with their mayor and his handling of of the border issue. His poll numbers, his approval rating is around 20 percent. And that is you look at what's happening in New York. The mayor of New York for the past year has sounded like the governor of Texas. Um, The governor of New York, who used to go out and talk about being a sanctuary state, came out and said, we don't have any more room. 
So this is not a partisan political issue. And for you to hear, well, the Republicans don't want to do the real work of the American people and the serious issue to fix our border crisis. It wasn't a crisis until January in your mind. Until January, the president of the United States said it was secure. The press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, said it was secure. Alejandro Mayorkas said it was secure. Vice President Harris said it was secure. In multiple interviews and multiple times, we're claiming that the border is secure. We're working hard to make it as absolute secure as possible. Now it's a crisis. So here is the silver lining in my mind. And I think and I hope that some members catch on to to phrasing it this way. I'm not one to give advice, but I'm going to in this case. Speaker Johnson, uh, some of the Republicans, Lindsey Graham or some of the Republicans in the Senate, uh, you know, uh, Republicans in the United States Senate should stand up and say, we finally have an agreement on the border issue. We've been hearing our Democrat friends, our Democrat colleagues say now since January that we have a crisis at the southern border. This is something they haven't said for the past three years. We've got quote after quote after quote from the Biden administration and the people involved with it and people on that side of the aisle that have been claiming that the border is secure. Well, now we all agree finally that the border isn't secure. As a matter of fact, the president called it a crisis. We have heard other people now calling it a crisis on the other side of the aisle. So now we all are finally in agreement that there is a crisis at the border. How can we come together and put together a piece of legislation for the sake of national security to secure the border? We all agree now it's not secure. We, you've said it. We agree it's not secure. How do we secure it? And that's and from there they said, well, we gave you a piece of legislation and we told you that that doesn't secure the border. So now if you're going to quit, you're saying that it's fine the way it is unless we pass your bill. Or are we going to sit down like adults and are we going to craft something that the American people can actually rely on that is going to make a, a, the border much more secure than it is? And they're not doing it. It's this back and forth and symbolism. And I just it's not the real work. And people are upset in a moment. We're going to go back to the her report. This was the report uh, which said the president was basically incapable of defending himself. And uh, Chuck Schumer had some things to say about it. We're going to let you hear what the senator had to say about the mental acuity of the president. It's coming up here in a few moments. It was back in 63 when eating my cooking got the better of me, so I asked this little girl I was going with to be my wife. Well, she said she would, so I said I do, but I'd have said I wouldn't if I'd have just knew how saying I do was going to screw up all of my life. Well, the first few years weren't all that bad. I'll never forget the good times we had, because I'm reminded every month when I send her the child support. Well, it wasn't too long till the lust all died, and I'll admit I wasn't too surprised the day I come home and found my suitcase sitting out on the porch. Well, I tried As we again. speak, the there lock. are couples then in the car, and the guys trying not to laugh. Turkey, my turn it will be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided right then. If you don't know the song, Jerry Reed. But brother, I didn't I got the gold. Don't she got much. the gold mine. She got the gold mine. I got the share. They split it right down the middle. And they gave her the bitter half. All right, Jeff. Told you I'd play it. 
I, I had a feeling you would. Happy Valentine's Day. And into you, my friend. <laughs> Bitter people unite. It is the anti-Valentine's Day on the Mike Broomhead Show. Um, all right, let's get back to some serious business. Senator Chuck Schumer made a comment, and I, I think this is interesting. I really believe this is, is fascinating because Senator Schumer, in talking about um, – what is going on uh, with the president dismisses the concerns about the mental acuity of the president as right wing propaganda. Now, 91 percent of independent voters, 91 percent of independent voters don't believe that this president has the ability to complete a second term. And that's not right wing propaganda. I, I haven't talked a lot about this with the president. Uh, when this was building up to this, we'd all seen the videos. We've seen the press conferences. We've heard him talk about people that he was meeting with that have been dead for 30 years. All of these things were happening, and I didn't talk about it. I have respect for the presidency. I have respect for the office. I didn't like it when they they tried to use the 25th Amendment to get President Trump. I don't think they should invoke the 25th Amendment here. I don't think that's what it's for. But I want you to hear Chuck Schumer talk about President Biden and his mental abilities. I talk to President Biden, you know, regularly, off sometimes several times in a week, or usually several times in a week. His mental acuity is great. It's fine. It's as good as it's been over the years. I've been speaking to him for 30 years since we worked on the Brady Bill and the assault weapons ban when I was a young congressman <laughs> um and um he's 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 fine all this right-wing propaganda that his mental acuity is declined is wrong he's going to win the election because he has a great record because um more and more americans are seeing that record you know we're going to talk more specifically about elections in the next hour and i will say for both sides of the aisle it is a statistical tie in the minds of many um, about this election. And, and so it, it, it doesn't look good for either party necessarily. But for Chuck Schumer, for Senator Schumer to say that this is right wing propaganda, the New York Times, which is not known as a conservative publication, uh, said that this is a political disaster because in the her report, they said that the president might be found by people to be a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. Um, the New York Times said the president's remarkable appearance before reporters underscores the political damage that Mr. Hur's report could do despite the lack of criminal charges. The report's discussion of the president's memory and age was repeated throughout the 345-page document and was quickly seized on by Republicans, including Mr. Biden's likely opponent, pre former President Donald J. Trump. The Times editorial board penned a scathing piece titled The Challenges of an Aging President, which pointed out how Biden Biden would finish a second term at 86 years old um, compared to Ronald Reagan, who was 77 at the end of his presidency, and noticed that a poll of the uh, paper showed that more than 70 percent of voters in battleground states believe he's just too old to be effective. Um, you know, again, I I'm being very sincere. This to me is a sad thing to see for anyone. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Um, I've talked about my mom is 81 years. My mom's almost 81 years old. She's over. She's 80. She'll be 81 in June. And my mom is in great physical and mental health. She is very sharp. She's very witty. She's got a sick sense of humor like I do. And we joke and we laugh and she's in great shape, great physical condition for someone of her age, which I'm very happy about. My mother could not withstand 
a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job. My mom knows her limitations. She doesn't do things that require her walking long distances all day long. She just physically, she's 80 years old. She's in great health. But if you put her through the rigors of a job like the presidency, my mom would fail as well. So it, it, it is. And and the thing is this, uh, we want to age gracefully. I, I mean, I think people do. Thankfully, my mom is in great mental health, but I certainly wouldn't if she were faltering. I certainly wouldn't want her publicly every single day having it show. When you live the public life of the president, and this is just from a human being standpoint, I hate seeing this. I hate it. From an American standpoint, the message that it sends to the rest of the world, especially our enemies, is weakness. And you know as well as I do, a predator strikes at the weak. And, and I don't want the nation to show weakness. I don't think it's it's a good idea for our nation to show weakness. And so I don't know how America is going to vote in November. But I can tell you this, Chuck Schumer's point in saying this is right-wing propaganda is absolutely false. It is absolutely false. This was this president, his DOJ, the Department of Justice under this president said it about him. This wasn't a report written by Republicans. So it's something for the nation to consider. Just after 10 o'clock, United States Senate candidate Carrie Lake joins us. Big endorsement for her campaign. We'll talk about the campaign trail and we will talk about what's next in this election cycle coming up.